This is the Adam Crowley Show. To pick against the Steelers is a sin. It's a sin that's written in the Bible. Don't you understand? On ESPN Pittsburgh (laughs) and the iHeartRadio app. The Penguins should have beat Washington. I can admit that. I said it on yesterday's show. I would be disappointed if the Penguins couldn't take advantage of no Nicholas Backstrom, no Burakovsky, no Tom Wilson. That's half of the Capitals' top six. The more I watched yesterday's game, the more I realized that Washington wanted it more. And I talked about desperation for about a week now. That if the Penguins wanted to beat Washington, if the Penguins wanted to make a run in these playoffs, then they needed to manufacture a little bit of desperation. You're not going to want it as bad if you've just done the thing twice. It's just reality. Whether you can admit that or whether it's something that's just in the back of your mind, okay, I don't know. But Washington gave it everything they had, and it was an opportunity that they haven't had the last two years. Despite how good those teams were, The Penguins never trailed after more than just a game. And Washington had the opportunity to put their feet firmly on the Penguins' throats. And they did it. This Penguins roster is better than the one that Washington put on the ice last night. That's a fact, Jack. I said at the end of yesterday's show that this Capitals team wasn't that good if they had the one that suited up last night over the course of the 82-game season, they might not have been a playoff team. So I am surprised the Penguins didn't win from a roster standpoint. But you've got to credit Washington. My God, did they earn it. They had balls. I'm not going to be the radio host who doesn't give the other team credit when they win a series. You don't think... The last couple of years, when the Penguins beat Washington, they weren't saying, damn, those Penguins were good. Because they were, because they should have, because the Penguins won the Cup. It was a fantastic game plan by Barry Trotz, and his players executed it to a T. It was just a tremendous effort by them. They played hockey, and this is this is the one that gets me. They played hockey instead of hitting dudes in the head, and it worked. It allowed them to do something that they've only done once, ever, in their history against the Penguins, and that's win the series. But the Penguins did let that one slip away. The reason it doesn't matter that much is because they were going to lose to Tampa, I think. Tampa's a great team. I bet they handle Washington. But the Penguins did let this opportunity slip away with some untimely mistakes. Game one, 17 seconds in, Kuznetsov. Game six, overtime, Kuznetsov. He bookended the damn series. I had a Penguins fan tweet me before the series. I'm not afraid of Washington because guys like Kuznetsov never do anything in the playoffs. Okay, bro. Nice. Good analysis. The Penguins gave up odd man breaks from the start of the series till the end of the series. And you know why? It's because they did it all year long. Penguins gave up more odd man rushes than any team in hockey all season. People say Matt Murray had a bad year. People say Matt Murray was not the goalie he's been the last two seasons. And that's true. 
But it's also because he got left out to dry. In the regular season, in the postseason, his numbers were indicative of the team that played in front of him and the way that that team played in front of him. They built bad habits all season long, and they wound up rearing their ugly heads in the playoffs. I wrongly said, and I can admit when I'm wrong, that the Penguins could flip a switch. And they did to an extent. And they could have won the series if some things had gone the other way, but one of the things that went against them this year was their inability to defend the way that they needed to. Last year, they didn't have Chris Letang. They had Ron Hainsey, they had Trevor Daly, and they defended. Two years ago, they defended. This year, Washington did. Everything the Penguins created in terms of scoring this series looked like it was so hard to attain. You had to get bodies in front of Holpe, and they did at times. You had to go to the dirty areas, and they did at times. But everything that they got, they earned. Oh, my God, it was a bitch. Washington did a great job of collapsing the net, getting in shooting lanes. Last night they did it better than they've ever done it, I think, against the Penguins. And that's not hyperbole. I think that's the case. Better than they've ever done it. I saw it at the end of the Jacket series. When they had to close it out, they did. Everything the Penguins earned, they had to earn. Everything the Penguins created came so hard. But when Washington scored, here's the problem. It seemed effortless. The Penguins made it hard at times in the defensive zone. Washington had problems. But they built so much out of the neutral zone. They built so much off the rush. They created so many odd man rushes. Because the Penguins did not build a good habit in the regular season. And think of the games in the regular season as kind of the practice round. The Penguins didn't think of those games as important as the postseason because they'd been through the ringer. And it's one of the big reasons that they got done in. They never played the right way. And I think this loss could be good in that regard. The Penguins will come out hungrier next year. They'll be able to build the good habits throughout the regular season. And I think they'll be able to execute better when the playoffs come around. If you do something over and over and over again the wrong way, you're never going to be able to do it the right way. Case in point, I've had some radio problems. You got to learn. You got to practice. You got to try to get better. And one of the ways that we do that is we listen back to ourselves. And my God, does that sound narcissistic, but that's just the reality. Sidney Crosby watches film of himself. I watch film of Sidney, pardon me. I watch our cheese teases over and over again. I listen to my radio show over and over again. It's how you get better. It's how you become more concise. It's how you better yourself in your career. It's why there is practice. It's why when you're in Little League, you practice the fundamentals a thousand times until you start doing it by rote. You have to have these things come second nature. And if the Penguins didn't take the regular season seriously, and they didn't, then the things that they did wrong were going to show up in their playoff game. I thought they could fix it all. I thought they could flip the switch entirely. They did, but they didn't do it enough. They flipped that switch, but they didn't do it entirely. If I practice driving, and I'm going 45 miles an hour around bends in the 25, and no one pulls me over, 
then eventually maybe I spin out and die horrifically in a fiery car crash. No one tells me not to do it. I'm going to keep doing it, and then it's going to be bad. Knock on wood, please, Tom. God forbid that happens. What do you mean, no? He's shaking his head. He wants my job. That's what it is. I got my eye on you, Offerman. I know what you're up to. The more bad habits you have, the more you need to practice and work to get rid of them. Case in point, I'm doing a diet now. And yesterday, I had a pop. I never drank pop up until these last three weeks. Never did. But almost every day I'm having one now. 7-Up's delicious. It's sitting right there in the fridge. And it's really hard to buy 100% into the diet if you're going to keep drinking the same soda pop every day. And no one stops it. You guys got to stop me. Uh, do, what do you? Uh, we have tried. You got to lock it. Brought it up. I can't lock the station refrigerator. You need to show some self-control. My dietary habits have changed, but when you drink 150 calories of straight sugar, it's probably going to put a dent in what you're trying to do. But the more you keep doing it, the more it becomes part of your routine, and as it's part of your routine, that becomes your lifestyle. And for the Penguins, their routine was, ah, it's the regular season, so what if we give up an odd man break here? We're going to score four goals going the other way. It doesn't matter. The games aren't checked as tightly. Teams aren't playing defense quite as hard, obviously. Every inch of ice isn't fought over the way that it is in the playoffs, and the Penguins think, okay, we'll give one up here. We'll score three going the other way. And the playoffs doesn't work that way. So their bad habits were reinforced by how bad they were at times on the back end during the regular season. That's why next year the regular season will matter, and that's why next season I think I will be a little bit harder with my scrutiny during the regular season. But coming off of two cups, I wasn't going to criticize him. I'm sure the coach did. In fact, I know he did. But sometimes the message gets lost when you're playing a game in, oh, I don't know, January against the Buffalo Sabres. You're not going to be on your P's and Q's. Well, next year they'll have to be. I don't like this narrative, though, that the roster is a disaster. And we'll talk to Jason Mackey coming up in 10 minutes about that here on the Crowley Show. He, of course, from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I think it's more about the bad habits than it is the roster. Think about it. Phil Kessel was almost a point-per-game player during the playoffs as a Penguin coming into this year. He's always been a great playoff guy. He's hurt. That changes some things. There goes your secondary scoring. You don't think it's important for Phil Kessel to be pumping the puck at the net? That changes a lot. That makes the roster look a hell of a lot worse when one of your top highest-paid players and best players isn't performing up to his expectation level. And that's not because you don't want that guy on the roster. It's not a flaw in the roster. It's a flaw that the player had. Because he probably had 15 broken ribs or something. And we'll find that out, I think, tomorrow. He was counted on all season long. Might have been their best, most consistent player for the majority of the year. And he couldn't do it in the playoffs because, hey, I think he was hurt. Broussard's always been a great playoff performer. I don't buy that he's not a good fit. I think the last two games showed that he can fit. He played well the last two games. It just takes time to get acclimated to your new surroundings. It takes time to get acclimated to your teammates. He had one goal in 12 games, just like Kessel. I don't think it's because neither of those players fit. I think it's because one guy was hurt, and one guy, when he got going, the six-game point streak, got hurt in the regular season. Not to mention, Broussard's true value doesn't come from just this year, but next year's as well. He's a fit. 
You don't think Malkin and Haglund being hurt threw off the balance of this team the first few games of the series? They were searching for line combinations. That throws off the chemistry a little bit. And when you're playing a good team like Washington that played so structurally sound, they didn't play it quite the trap, but they had three players positioned on their blue line like a picket freaking fence. When you don't have your great line combinations, you don't know who's going to work with whom, you're going to have a problem beating structure. If you don't know if Phil Kessel's a second-line player or a third-line player, you don't know if Broussard's a fourth-line center or a third-line center, you don't know where Connor Sherry fits, when you don't know where Dominic Simone fits, when you're moving guys in and out of the lineup based on injury and other circumstance, you're not going to beat structure because you're going to be thinking about who you're playing with out there. That's the far bigger issue than the roster construction. They can get better on the back end. They'll need to. I thought Chad Ruido was fine during the playoffs. Jamie Alexiak's a good player, but they can get better there. And I expect that they will. I also expect Daniel Sprong to be in the top line. God bless you, Dominic Simone, but you can't finish. The one thing we know Dominic Simone can do is finish. He'll be there. Maybe you'll add another wing. Maybe Carl Haglin comes off the roster. They're not going to do anything major. But they'll bring in some players. Iron out the lineup, and they'll be good to go for 2018-2019. Coming up next, Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette discusses what perhaps could happen this offseason for the Penguins, and why did they lose? Does he agree with my take? It's the Crowley Show. I was driving in my car and I smelled a number five with fries. That's my uh, Johnny Manziel impression. <laughs> Mine too. Wow. It also sounds like Tom when he's got the allergy. That sounds more Miami Dolphin offensive line <laughs> coachish. Um, we should. After this funeral service is over for your pens, can we please get back to some sports? I think you should have your grandma on every week discussing the Bucks. She's awesome. And you know my all-time favorite. The Steelers need to be discussed. Here's the deal, Jim. Yes, we'll have my grandma on now that Pirates season's relevant again. But the Penguins just lost yesterday. We're going to discuss them all day, and we're really going to discuss them all week. And when free agency rolls around, we're going to talk about him a lot then, too. Just because your Bruins lost, I know this guy's a Bruins fan, doesn't mean we can't talk about hockey. All right, man? Sit tight. Grandma will be back soon. In fact, I think she'll be on tomorrow. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joins us now to talk about the Penguins' season being over. Mac, Daddy, you get to rest maybe for a little bit for a first time in a while. I know. How about that? Uh, a few days, get out of the woods here, and uh, you know, by next week, I think I should have a normal life again. This is good. This is exciting. We're going to have to drink Very beers. Good. 
Yeah, yes, we do. We do. That's a good point. Maybe we could do that and watch some puck. I'm in. Hey, Jason, you wrote a piece on PittsburghPostGazette.com that is seven questions facing the Penguins this offseason. So allow me to interview you with your own work. How's that sound? Sounds great. Why did Derek Broussard fail to find a fit? I think it was a couple things. Uh, I really do think that the uh, late-season injury that he suffered uh, meant something. You know, it disrupted his progress. He was starting to feel a little bit of comfortability. Uh, I don't think it's a long-term thing. Like, I don't think it's going to be the type of thing where, where Derek Broussard just doesn't fit what they're trying to do. I just think it was sort of he became a revolving door for a few wingers. He was in and out of the lineup. I think his confidence took a hit in the playoffs, and they were just trying to survive. Um, so why? I guess I would just say it, it was it was more mental than physical, and I also wouldn't be surprised if tomorrow when they clean out lockers, if we learn that Derek Broussard had some sort of ailment. But given a fresh crack at this, I think Derek Broussard will be fine. I actually think Derek played pretty well the last two games, so I think he was yeah, he, finding he was his okay. way. Yeah, yeah, he was. It was starting to turn in the right direction, and that's why I said I think the injury had something to do with it because it sort of stunted all of that. And if he would have been able to continue playing, I think we would have saw this stuff. You know, it would have been behind us. He was in a nice groove. Before we get to some of your other questions, I do want to credit Washington. I think they played a hell of a series, very well structured. Uh, Barry Trotz did a heck of a job with this team, and I've been very critical of him in the past. Sometimes it's okay that you run into a better team, and maybe they weren't better, but I certainly think that there's something to them maybe wanting this more than the Penguins wanted it, Jason. I think that was evident last night. Yeah, I agree, Adam, and I think here's where that comes into play, at least for me, that the Penguins needed to conjure up something, you know, moxie, emotion, throw whatever word on there you want to, but they needed to find some gear, and it's hard to fake it. And Washington, for them, it was genuine. I mean, they, you know, whether they felt slighted by Tom Wilson or just fed up that they couldn't get past the second round or they want to win it for Barry Trotz, I don't know. But they had something there, some sort of belief that was brewing inside of them that the Penguins tried to match that they just couldn't. And that's often too hard to do. It's just, you know, it's an honest game. I know it's a random game sometimes, but it, it you know, that stuff tends to rise. And I agree with your point a lot that the, the Capitals just had something. Uh, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what it was, and the Penguins weren't able to match just because they had played so much hockey and been so many places. And, you know, not that a, a, a long off season is appealing, but it's just, it's tough when you've played 307 games over three years. Oh, no kidding about that. Jason, does it make me a bad Penguins fan that when Alexander Ovechkin looked to the heavens yesterday, I smirked a little bit and thought, you know what, man, you deserve this one? No, I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. I think if you're a hockey fan in general, you appreciate Ovechkin for what he is and his talent and all that stuff. I mean, he's one of the great players of our generation, one of the top three players that we've gotten to see, Adam, and, and you know, I'm happy for him to be going to a conference final and help his legacy. And, you know, I have nothing but respect for his game. Yeah, me neither. Uh, Jason Mackey, the Post-Gazette, joins us here on the Crowley Show. Now, there's been a lot of talk about the Penguins roster, uh, spearheaded by Rob Rossi, who I like a lot. I have him on the show all the time. Good dude. West Virginia grad. But I'll disagree with some of the things he said. I don't think this roster is all that flawed. Uh, in fact, I, I think that... You look at it, and Phil Kessel's probably hurt. Broussard's still dealing with stuff. Malkin and Hagelin were hurt at the beginning of the series. Hornquist comes back from injury. You don't know how much that affects him. Uh, Sure, they had some lapses, and a lot of them, and that caught up with them, but 
Uh, I don't look at this as a flawed roster that can't be fixed with a little plug here and a little plug there. Oh, absolutely not. I don't know who said it was a flawed roster or where that's coming from. I guess Rossi. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with him on that. I don't think it's flawed at all. I think that uh, I think it's actually a very good roster. I mean, you've got a, a lot of young guys, still young, um, contributing with the mix of veterans. I think they probably could use a veteran, um, sort of like Matt Cullen, Chris Kunitz, um, somebody to come in and, and have a little bit more of a stabilizing voice. I think they're a little bit thin on defense. But is this roster broken to the point where you can't fix it? Absolutely not. You know, I think Jim has some interesting questions to answer this offseason, which I wrote about. And, you know, I, I think he does have some decisions, too, because even somebody like Hunwick, you know, are you going to move him? And that feels like, you know, if you want to move him, you might have to package him with the Tristan Jar or Daniel Sprong or even a Carl Hagelin, something like that. You're going to have to give an acquiring team a little bit of a sweetener there to take that. And so, yeah, I, I say all that to say that, they're going to do a few things. They can do a few things, but they're not far off. I mean, this is a team that won the past right. Stanley Cups. I don't know how their roster is flawed. One of the contracts that is big on this roster is Phil Kessel, as is Chris Letang's. You think there's any conversation, any possibility that those guys might not be here, one of those guys might not be here next year? Well, I think, you know, I think there should be conversation around Kessel. I think they should at least entertain the idea. Um, I don't have a good enough grasp on whether they will or won't. Um, I know with Latang they probably won't, just for the reason that I doubt there's going to be very much interest around the league. You know, he's been in Pittsburgh the entire time. He's been treated by Pittsburgh doctors the entire time. Penguins have access to his medical history and whatever. Other teams don't. They don't know, you know, what what he's been through, and this is a lengthy list with him. It's always a concern. And, so if you're an acquiring team, I mean, put yourself in Mark Bergevin's shoes. I'm just, like, throwing one of them out sure. there for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah. You have a guy who's who makes seven and a quarter for, like, the next five or six years. He's been really up and down this season, has a long injury history. He's nearing on the bad side of the 30-age curve. Like, why are you going to step up and pay him? I just don't think it's realistic for them to move Latang even if they wanted to. Kessel, on the other hand, is coming off a career-best year. 92 points, 34 goals. He was really, really good. And if somebody sees value in that, you know, I could see the reason for the Penguins letting him go just because, you know, it might look stupid for one or two years, but in the third and fourth years of his remaining deal, they might end up looking pretty smart. Jason Mackey joins us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Carl Hagelin, you wrote about this as well in the Post-Gazette. He's got a $4 million cap hit. Uh, It's the last year of his deal coming up. I think the Penguins would be smart to try to get something perhaps for him this off season, and like you said, maybe a pair him with somebody else to go out there and get a bigger fish, or or even just to get the cap space uh, off the roster. I think facelift moves like that are the kind of things we're going to wind up seeing. Yeah, I think so too, and and it's not because they're unhappy with any Carl anything Carl Hagelin brings, and what you know, it's not like they think Carl Hagelin's going to be a bad player in twenty eighteen twenty nineteen. Right. It's the exact opposite. It's just. He's going to be due his last final contract, which he and his agent are going to want to obviously cash in on. It's going to be his last chance for a big payday. And the Penguins aren't going to want to be on the books for that. They have too many young forwards, young wingers. I mean, they're not going to get into that market. And so you're going to lose Hagelin in his last year of the deal. Can you cover it? Do you have a young winger who can step in right now and fill that spot? And if I'm looking at the Penguins right now, I say they do. You know, I would bet on... 
Thomas DePauli or Teddy Bluger or John Sebastian D or Daniel Sprong or whomever, uh, being able to come in and play that role, even Zach Aston Reese. I should have thrown his name out of the top. Um, but so that's why I wrote that I think, you know, ha- moving Hagelin could be something they would entertain. What's the deal with Sprong? I thought he would have gotten a chance at some point here, especially with the way that Kessel was playing. Not necessarily saying you swap one in the lineup for the other, but I thought he could have been inserted at some point, given the way that they weren't scoring goals, uh, except from Crosby's line. I know, I know. I'm I'm a little bit surprised to have not seen it too, Adam. And, and yeah, it wouldn't be a Kessel for Sprong switch. I no. mean, that's not the way they would do it. It wouldn't be a Hornquist for Sprong switch. It wouldn't be a Sprong for anybody switch. It'd probably be Sprong for you know, Aston Reese or when he was hurt or Simone or something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I can give you what I think. I can give you sort of some breadcrumbs that I've cobbled together. I can't give you anything definitively because it is kind of weird. Um, I, I don't think that Daniel Sprong's game is where the Penguins coaching staff wants it to be. Will it ever get there? I don't know. I've started to ask those questions myself. And, um, you know, the kid can score goals. He's a great offensive player, and they needed him. I, I would think that during – the playoffs when they needed goals, they would get sprung up here. If they didn't, um, and I, I just I feel like there's probably some some trust issues, or, or we don't love this game, this guy's game, like that sort of thing going on. I'm not saying that like that can't be reconciled, or he can't come in here and be an effective player, but I, I just think that you know maybe his personality, the way he plays, the, likes to play the game, he's he's a little bit different than other Sullivan guys, and I, I think there might be just a little bit of a hesitancy to use him because of it. Do you think that hesitancy trickles over to, into next year, or is he in their plans, do you think? I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, as of now, I would think he would be in their plans. I mean, what more does the kid need to show at the AHL level? He put up 32 goals, and theoretically everybody involved said he's made great strides with his play with the puck. Like, do you need him to be a selfie trophy candidate? I wouldn't <laughs> think so. You know, I, I would feel like I, – I, I think they would consider using him, but at the same time, if someone came along with an offer, they needed to – um, involves Sprong in a deal to, to get something done that they need to get done, I don't think they would have any reservations about moving him either. The Tristan Jari situation is interesting to me. Brian and I were talking about it in the show meeting today. Uh, Tom was there, but he didn't add anything of value to the conversation. And uh, the, the question is, is this guy going to be the Penguins' backup next year? Is he going to be used as a trade chip? I know you don't have all those answers either, but uh, I'm fascinated to see what becomes of him. Yeah, I am too. I am too. And I've long thought that Tristan Jari was better in regular duty than sporadic time. I think that's one of the reasons why you saw Casey DeSmith up here as the backup. Like if they needed to use somebody in a pinch, they had more faith in Casey DeSmith. But I think if Matt Murray would have gotten hurt, you probably would have seen Tristan Jari come up and make a run of starts. Um, and thinking of a guy like that, which I think is accurate with Tristan, um, it, it, it's tough to have that guy as your backup. He's just a starter and the starter's job is not available here. So I, I do think they would entertain offers for him. Um, I don't think they're going to actively look to trade him because that's when you start making mistakes. But, right. you know, uh, uh, young goaltenders who are talented and capable of starting in this league are a very hot commodity. You know, and I wrote in what I wrote today on com that, you know, it's hard to imagine somebody like Buffalo GM Jason Bottrell, who obviously has a history here and, and knows Jari very, very well, uh, you know that he wouldn't be intrigued by having Tristan on his team and, and letting him to grow and develop there. So, I think Jari inevitably gets moved. I don't think he's a long-term backup option for Murray. It's just whether it happens this off-season or not. Jason. 
back to the series itself, and in particular yesterday's game, uh, Washington did play a, a very good structure, and everything that the Penguins wanted to get, they needed to earn. I think that can be really difficult to do, and a difficult system to navigate when you're juggling guys in and out of lines, and you're not really set with what you're going to do. And I don't think it's Mike Sullivan's fault. I think a lot of it had to do with circumstance and tr- sort of playing around Phil Kessel, trying to make him fit, uh, trying to make Broussard fit, trying to make Sherry fit, guys like that. But uh, I, I think that had a lot to do with why the Penguins weren't able to quite crack that egg. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There were a lot of moving parts. Um, maybe too many moving parts. I, I look at the Broussard thing, Adam, and one of the things that I keep thinking when I sort of assess the deal or think about you know the big push they made to get Broussard is something Rutherford said when he got Riley Shane, I believe it was in October, um, where he said a lot of times he strikes early because he wants guys to have enough time to sort of acclimate. And I don't feel that Broussard ever did that. I don't know if the team ever had enough time to acclimate around him. And it, it just wound up being sort of an imperfect match. I think if the season would have been one month longer, they would have been fine. But um, you're dealing with that. And you're dealing with uh, Rust and Sherry and um, several other guys slumping. And it just, you know, it was an unfortunate, uh, I don't know what word I'm looking for here, amalgamation of events mm-hmm. uh, all happening at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, Jason, last couple of things uh, here for you. Uh the regular season, I think, matters more than I gave it credit for. Uh, I thought the Penguins could flip a switch, and I think they did to an extent. But they weren't great defensively all year long, and some of those problems obviously reared their ugly heads when the Penguins needed them not to at the end of the playoffs. Uh, I expect that to change next year, given that they're going to have a break, given that they're going to be hungry after not being a Stanley Cup champion for the first time in three years. And I think that that could make a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. I know we heard a lot at the beginning of the season about rest and they're worn down and they played so much hockey and whatever. Well, that's out the window. You know, that's not an excuse anymore. There's no, you know, not making the regular season important. And, um, you know, I feel like this team's going to be out of the gates, probably pretty peeved and ready to get going after losing to Washington. And, uh, you know, they, they were, they were bad at the beginning of this year, man. I'm thinking back to some of the, lack of coverages and lack of attention to detail stuff and uh, I don't expect that this time around Jason always appreciate you coming on man all season long you you never told me no I don't think and uh, that's awesome dude so I really appreciate it I never do pal I always love coming on, coming on with you thanks for having me be good we'll get some beers All right. All right, sounds good. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette coming up next the Capitals deserved it they did. You're going to hate the next segment, but I'm going to throw some praise their way. And the Penguins did something that I didn't think we'd ever see them do in last night's game as well. It's the Crowley Show. We alarm our houses, and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. Today marks the end of Penguin Hat season. I will be, I'm wearing my Penguins cap because I appreciate their effort the last two years. Tomorrow though, baby, you know what time it is? It's time for the old golden blue. Uh, uh, my dub B hat's going to be on. 
Like full compliment? You come in with oh. T-shirts? You come in with uh, socks, underwear? Bro, oh, yeah. it is WVU football season starting tomorrow. How'd the spring game go? Oh. They didn't play one. They didn't have to. They got Will Greer, best quarterback in ball. Suck on that, Tom. Kenny Pickett. want to spend my summer having to talk about the Pirates. So here's what we're going to do. We're not going to do that. We'll have my grandma on. We'll talk about big things that happen. But let's face it, it's all just going to be moot because they're not going to make the playoffs. But Adam, what about launch angles? Whip! Hmm. What about Whip? I don't know. haven't seen him today. Yeah, I haven't seen him either. Oh. Seriously, though, I mean... We're not even going to get into, like, the nuts and bolts? No exit. We're not going to break out? What? No war. I will say this. I think I'm going to my first Pirate game this next weekend. First McC- this year. First this first in three <laughs> years, actually. Wow. Yeah. long, huh? Yeah. McCutcheon's coming back to town. So I'll be there. I'll be checking him out. It'll be warm. I'll drink beers. It's really just an outdoor bar is what it is. Now, I'm going to put money in Bob Nutting's pocket, which I hate. But I'm going to do it. Booing, how about this? Booing Corey Dickerson and cheering McCutcheon. I'll be that guy. Wow. Boo! I know you're a lot better than McCutcheon this year, but I wish we still had McCutcheon. Boo! You gonna get a Cutch jersey? I have one. I mean, a new one. Oh, a Giants one. Oh yeah. my God, why didn't I do that? I could have trolled so hard. In fact, all right, that's my. That's what I'm gonna do during this segment. You guys are gonna have to carry it a little bit here. What? I'm gonna buy an Andrew McCutcheon player tee and wear it to the Pirates game on Sunday. That's badass. That's actually really cool. I'm doing it. Overnight delivery. MLB player T. Andrew McCutcheon. (laughs) Gonna be that guy in this. I'm gonna be that guy. Hey Corey, you stink. Boo. Hey, he's hitting 316, dude. Dude, there'll be nothing but flurry jerseys and McCutcheon jerseys. Oh my god. (laughs) Oh my god. It's gonna be Mark Andre Flurry, Golden Knights, and. It's going to be Andrew McCutcheon, San Francisco Giants. Or should I just go total heel and wear my Bonds jersey? Oh. You don't want to do that. Or I could. You're just an a hole at that point. (laughs) I could prove how smart I am and wear a Jason Schmidt jersey. Hmm. I'll figure it out. Maybe a half cutch, half flurry. Oh. (laughs) Right down the middle. That's actually a tremendous idea. We need to do that. We'll get two. Cut him in half. We'll have KDO sew him up. I don't know why I just assigned her. Wow. Uh, assigned her that role. Gender roles. I mean, yeah, my bad. Jeez. But I, I just assume she's crafty. It has nothing to do with gender stuff. I'm cook, very good at sewing. Cook so it's honestly insulting that you wouldn't ask me to do that. Maybe after she could cook us dinner. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, no, is that bad? Nah, you can't I'm do just that. kidding. He's Katie. kidding is what I'm he's kidding. doing. It's a joke. He's it's making joke. a joke about the fact that people say those things. Right. Uh, and, and people place rolls upon a gender. Right, not me, though. No, never you. No. Would not do that. No, not at all. My wife's grandma, she can sew. And that's just because it's a fact. She hemmed a jersey for me a couple of months ago. Here it comes. So she's going to have to sew together my Andrew McFlurry <laughs> jersey. Andrew McFlurry. <laughs> Mark Andrew McFlurry. 
That's what I'm going to do. Mark Andrew McFlurry. I got to tweet that out. Oh, that's a pretty no. good line right there. Oh, no. I think that's me. I think that's me getting a star on today's show. Oh, that is, that, I, I'm, I'm rooting for you to get a star on that one. That's insane, man. That's very well done. Mm-hmm. It's kind of highbrow entertainment you get here on the Crowley Show. Speaking of which, we do our cheese teases every day. Today, it might have been our best one ever. We were going through the five stages of grief after the Penguins' loss, and Brian stapled his finger. I did. He was fake breaking a stapler in half, and when KDO said cut, I look over at him, and he's pulling a staple out of his bleeding finger. <laughs> you said I was fake trying to break. I was actually trying to break the stapler for effect. I couldn't. wasn't strong enough. And then I got, in, I got injured. I might have a workman's comp claim here. Happened on the job. I don't know if I can type. I'm typing right now. I got it. I can't. I can't hit the colon or the semicolon. Can't hit a quote. Can't hit a comma. Was it the pinky? I'm out. Yep. Big old staple hanging out. Mm. I'm tough though. I sucked it up pretty good though, didn't I? Like you couldn't even tell there was any pain on my face. Like I, I, I totally gutted that out. I'm still typing. Keep talking. Right. Yeah. Okay. So I like when I gutted it out, I mean, I looked pretty badass. Like, you know, there was a lot of pain going through. The staple was in there, and I didn't know if I was going to make it. And then I just looked down, and, you know, with the heart of a champion, I reached down, and I just pulled that thing out, sucked up the pain. None of you were any wiser. Didn't All right. know. All right, my tweet's out there. You can shut the hell up now. Fine, my God. Jeez, I mean. Stuff just... to say. Danny tweets, PNC Park is an expensive bar with a high cover charge. That's a good point. Yeah. Maybe I'll just watch the game on TV and get inebriated. But it's but see, that gives me a reason to at least get embarrassingly drunk. If I just do it at home, my wife says, dude, what are you doing? And it winds up bad for me. Hey, these Capitals, they deserve what they got last night. I don't like them. I think TJ Oshie's a prick. I think Tom Wilson's a bad guy. I think Alexander Ovechkin can headhunt. I think Barry Trotz isn't the best coach and he'll say things at times that rub me the wrong way. I think Ted Leonsis is a skunkhead jackass. So I don't love them, but that doesn't mean I can't credit them. It doesn't mean that I can't realize what they did was damn impressive. And it was consider what they've been through. They were down 2-0 to the blue jackets Losing both games at home. They had to go on the road. They went to overtime in game three, and they could have easily lost that series at that point. They didn't. They hung with it, and they won the series, and they won four straight. Then they lose Burakovsky. Tom Wilson gets suspended. Nick Backstrom gets hurt. They switch goalies in the midst of that Blue Jacket series. This is a team that was in flux. A team that didn't have expectations coming into this year because they lost guys like Marcus Johansson. Uh, They lost Justin Williams. They lost... The hell's the bad defenseman who should have been better for them? Shattenkirk. They weren't expected to be the great Washington Capitals this year. And yet here we are, seeing them going farther than they've ever gone before. With Alexander Ovechkin. It has a lot to do with heart. It has a lot to do with will. It has a lot to do with their structure. But it's got an awful lot to do with balls. That team's got balls. They've got guts. They've got moxie. They battle their ass off. 
And I didn't think that they were a team that had learned anything. Perhaps they still haven't. Perhaps they've been a bounce off here or there these last two years, but they showed me that they know how to get it done now. And good for them. And good for hockey. The Penguins won the Cup the last two years. The best thing for hockey isn't for one team to be a super team and win every year. The best team, the best thing for hockey is for great players to get exposure on the national stage. And new markets to find success. And Washington has a huge-ass star in Alexander Ovechkin, one of the only players that if he walked down the street, you'd know who he was in the entire league. And now he's going to get exposure in the conference final stage, and he's going to have an opportunity to win a Stanley Cup. That's awesome for the league. It just is. It's awesome that this rivalry grows. Because as much as it's been built a rivalry, it hasn't been. Sidney Crosby beat him three times in a row. Now it's three out of four, and hell, that ain't bad. But now you feel like it's a little bit more of a rivalry, and that's good for the league. Patrick Laine for Winnipeg, winning. That's good for the league. Nashville, a new market, winning. That's good for the league. Vegas, winning. That's good for the National Hockey League. But Alexander Ovechkin no longer being the guy who couldn't win one like Dan Marino, that's great. I hate him, but I didn't mean I can't appreciate that he's a hell of a player. And I think Sidney Crosby, if one day he retires and he's got three cups or, hell, hopefully maybe four or five, it looks even better if Ovechkin's got one or two next to Crosby's four or five. Because it shows that Crosby had to get through a champion in order to win those championships. I think that matters. So they deserved everything that they got. It was a hell of an effort. And at some point, you got to just tip your cap to the other guy. As for the one thing the Penguins did that I didn't expect them to ever do with this leadership group, it looked like they played tight last night. They had, what, six shots in the first period? Halfway through the second, they hadn't registered one in the second. I think it took 12 minutes, and they only had one shot on the board. Washington structure played a lot into that, but I think the Penguins didn't want to make the mistakes. And then they wound up making them anyway because they were thinking. The Capitals were playing. And it's what we've seen so far so often with Washington over these last couple of years. And the Penguins, they wound up being the team that they screwed up. I was surprised to see that. Crosby mentioned it in the postgame. They were tentative. I did not expect that. The Penguins were tentative. The Capitals played loose. And it was a complete role reversal over what we've seen in this team's histories. It's unbelievable, but it happened. Time to recharge, eh? Time for the Penguins to get an offseason, figure some stuff out, breathe, get some of that desperation level. And I think that's really what it boiled down to, the desperation. It wasn't that the Penguins thought, oh, my God, 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 we've never been here before. It was Washington was playing their hearts out without great players, us against the world mentality. And the Penguins, they had to manufacture it to an extent. Even though it was an elimination game, they still didn't have the same want to, the same drive, the same killer instinct as Washington. And I think it's natural, but it doesn't mean that it was any less surprising for me when I saw it last night. How's your finger, Brian? It's a little painful, but I think I'll make it through. Yeah? Yeah, I think I'm going to be all right. You should have tried to throw a glue stick or something. 
Yeah, next time I'll, I'll think time. twice about using something dangerous like a stapler. I thought I threw something against the wall that broke, and then you got hit with a shrapnel. No, no, that was not the case. Um, in fact, that was quite a ruckus. We, once again, succeeded in pissing off the entire floor. Um, we tried to warn everybody, tried to tell them, but again, you know, we suffer for our art. We do, and if you want to check the art out, at underscore Adam Kraut. No one likes us anymore. I'm all right with that, though. Yeah, we're the cool kids. Yeah. They want to be us. They also don't like us. Up next. Haters. Pens shouldn't have any haters. They don't have one in me. It's a Crowley show. Americans are always on the move. They're in the car or at the office or working around the house. Americans refuse to sit still. So how do you connect with all those moving targets? Easy with radio. Radio reaches 93% of Americans every week. More than Google, Facebook, and even television. Because, hey, it's time to sit around and watch TV. So when you want to connect with all those constantly moving adults, teens, and millennials, get to iHeartMedia.com and put AMFM Radio to work for your company. So, is there anything better, and it's just happened to me, than when you're thinking about, what am I going to do for dinner tonight? Oh, my God, i got to go home. i got to walk the dog. You know, what am I going to make for dinner? Blah, blah, blah. And then your wife says, my dad just offered to grill us steaks at their place. You want to walk there with the dog? It took care of all of my worries. Oh, that's gold. Yeah. That's gold. Oh, my God. And you got a nice little situation there. I do. It's like a four-second walk. Steak. Dog's going to poop on the way. Yeah. And I'm going to fill myself. What do you do with the dog poop bag? 